Welcome to Sermons from St. David's, a ministry of St. David's Episcopal Church in Southfield, Michigan. It's a chance for us to share a good word of challenge, inspiration, and hope as we walk the journey of faith together. You're welcome to join us on Sundays at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. for live in-person worship. You can also join our 10 a.m. Eucharist via Zoom. Just go to our website for the meeting ID and password at stdavidssf.org. My friend Tammy was born to a homeless woman who was addicted to heroin. Her birth had a sobering effect on her mother who struggled over the next six years to raise Tammy at times with her birth father and then with an assortment of other men in her life. But after a dozen moves and constant struggles to keep food on the table and drugs off the table, Tammy's mother gave up and Tammy was put up for adoption. Thankfully, Tammy went to a good home a good family who loved, cared for, and successfully guided her through the next 25 years of her life as she graduated from high school, then college, both times with honors before going to medical school and becoming a pediatric surgeon. No sooner had Tammy started her job and moved into a new place when she heard a knock at the door. It was her birth mother. At first, the reunion was awkward then joyful as mother and daughter reminisced, then embraced. Then it got awkward again as Tammy's mother asked for money. Tammy, Tammy hesitated. Her mother argued, you can't say no, we're family. To which Tammy said, once a long time ago, that may have been true. But ever since I can remember, my real family has not included you. The argument persisted, and when it was clear that Tammy was not going to hand over any money, any money, her mother stormed off. Yet another reminder to all of us of how fraught, how fragile, how failing families can be. And let us not for a moment think that this isn't biblical. Adam and Eve, God's first couple, you'd think they'd be close to perfect. They had two sons. One murdered the other and then lied about it. Then go to the patriarchs. Abraham nearly murdered his son Isaac, who would grow up to successfully conspire with his mother to steal his older brother's inheritance. And then his son Jacob would favor his youngest son Joseph, so much so that he would flaunt his favor, inspiring his jealous older brothers to sell him to a traveling band of slave traders. And there you have a quick lesson from the Bible's revered patriarchs, Adam, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. There's your lesson in wholesome biblical family values. Murder, conspiracy, deception, intrigue, and a major dose of family dysfunction. And now you know why the Bible has always been such a bestseller. A bestseller for the dramatic problems but as we gather on this Sunday morning to remind ourselves even more so of its epic solutions. One of which we find in this amazing Pentecost story that we tried to tell in a new way with our linguistically talented readers. How did they do, everybody? I know you wanted to clap at the time, but we saved it up. 
Now, we only had them read the first six verses of Acts chapter 2 because the following 10 verses get a bit more difficult, containing words we hear nowhere else in the Bible. Here's the continuation of that Acts chapter 2 reading. Now, there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem, and at this sound of the disciples speaking in other languages, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in a native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? How then is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and they were perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? Well, one thing this means is that God is doing something truly remarkable for you and me and the dysfunctional families that experts say 80% of us come from. The unpredictable and unstable foundation of the human family is being replaced here today by a new foundation, a Holy Spirit family that unites, not with race, ethnicity, and language, but with the common language of God, which is love, thus establishing a spiritual family vastly superior to anything that preceded it. 80% of us come from dysfunctional families? What's that about? Well, experts say a dysfunctional family is a place where abuse, chaos, and neglect are accepted norms. Dysfunctional families are where unacceptable behaviors are overlooked, swept under the rug, or catered to. If you grew up in a dysfunctional family, then some or more of these were normal. People would forgive and forget without any sort of change of behavior. People would move past hurtful or questionable behavior as if nothing happened. People kept secrets, important things like someone going off for addiction treatment or a move precipitated by a bankruptcy filing. In dysfunctional families, often the norm is for people to pretend to be fine. In dysfunctional families, people deny that a problem exists or cover it up if it does. People in dysfunctional families use aggression to get what they want. Harmful people and behaviors are tolerated and not called out. And dysfunctional families are places where emotions are repressed because expressing them can get you into trouble. If you grew up in a dysfunctional family, it probably took a while to realize it because the family atmosphere, functional or dysfunctional, is just the water we swim in. And we're not really aware until we're exposed to better relationships, which is what ideally is supposed to happen at church. My friend Justin grew up in a home where his mother drank too much. Not all the time, but at predictable times like holidays and family get-togethers. 
presumably to cope with the stress of having so much preparation for such a wide swath of relatives. She would be making dinner, and then all of a sudden, she'd vanish, only to be found later passed out in an upstairs bedroom, stone drunk. Justin's father made sure no one really knew the reason that his mom was missing from so many meals. Oh, she's got chronic fatigue syndrome and had to lie down, his dad would say. Oh, a friend got in a car wreck and she had to go render aid. It was always an excuse to be made. The truth could not come out. Justin was told he had to go along with the little white lies, as his father called them, because it was part of what it meant to be family and you have to love your family no matter what. This last piece of advice may be something you were told in your house. You have to put first in love and protect your family no matter what. And then you had to move outside your house to discover that there were healthier ways to handle things. The Pentecost event is a welcome to a new family and a new way of being family by truly loving others because the Holy Spirit is love in action just as healthy families are meant to behave. Now many people get this wrong and suppose that love means we have to be codependent. We can't call people out for bad behavior, but we have to tolerate it instead. Too many people think that we must have peace at any price, even if that price is ignoring harmful behavior, addiction, abuse, keeping something secret that should be widely known. We don't and we shouldn't. We are not obligated to have close relationships with unhealthy people just because they're family. It's okay to be different than other people in your family. You can create family relationships with people you aren't related to. You can create family relationships with people you aren't related to. And that's, friends, what Pentecost is all about. This is why Christians from day one have called one another brothers and sisters. Because the Holy Spirit has knit our hearts together that closely. And in ways many of us have not experienced even with our next of kin. Friends, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. <clears throat> that Holy Spirit came down like these makeshift streamers upon the heads of very different people of different ages and backgrounds and languages to unite them under the banner of love. This is not meant to necessarily replace family relationships, but to broaden them with people who may be just as trustworthy and loving, and perhaps even more so. Now, this is not to say the church is perfect at all. I, too, read the news this week, yet another report of child sexual abuse occurring in a plethora of congregations in another denomination that was covered up by headquarters. I'm not saying churches are perfect, but I am saying there is an ideal here that many congregations do live up to. Hopefully this one is close. We are close to being God's solution to helping us navigate the complexities of life with the kinds of relationships that can help each one of us thrive, which is part of the abundant life that Jesus spoke about.
But Father Chris, I can't turn my back on my mother. She's the only mother I have. This was my friend Stephanie's response as she wrestled with breaking off her relationship with her mother after years and years of physical and emotional abuse. She had tried a million times to change the dynamic and her mother would say she was sorry but never change her behavior. And in no time, Stephanie was getting picked on again. It was harrowing and it was stressful and Stephanie had to admit that without her mother in her life, things were much more peaceful. She was at ease. Daily life was not anxious and chaotic. Finally, Stephanie made the break. She told her mother she no longer wanted her in her life. And yes, that was a huge deal. This meant that Stephanie had to put up with a litany of comments from friends and family members who, of course, didn't know the whole story and questioned her decision. So Stephanie came up with a, a, a script that she shared with me to answer these comments. She'd say things like, I understand that your relationship with your mother might be different from mine. Please don't tell me what's best for me. Or she would say, after much consideration, I decided to end my relationship with my mother because it was the healthiest option for me. Or she would say, I wish the situation were different, but it isn't, and it doesn't help when you tell me what I should do. Of course it hurt. Of course it still does. But time has done its part, and so has the church. Because in the place of her mother, Stephanie found in church no shortage of people who just naturally mothered her and regularly came alongside her to be for her the best that she could be. That's what the church is supposed to be and is supposed to do. And this, my friends, is why I'm so proud to be your rector. Pentecost is the answer to dysfunctional families. So this comes as no small challenge to you and me who find ourselves tasked with maintaining this wonderful St. David's atmosphere of sincere affection and cordiality that we have with one another. We do it in our own way under a canopy not of tinsel and streamers, but recycled red shopping bags, rescued from landfills and waterways, tied together to one day make an underpass sleeping mat for a homeless person. Good job, guy. You are such a loving, considerate, and kind-hearted group, and yes, you are family. And you come together for one another in amazing and impressive ways. I've seen it in 15 years over and over and over again. Meals provided for one another, rides to church for one another, the ways that you are involved in one another's lives. Let us use Pentecost to build those family ties, because we're a long way there, but we can do better. Let us use Pentecost to build these ties to spread hope that if you came from a dysfunctional family where trust, transparency, and sincerity were in short supply, look around at your family, which is all about being more deeply knit together, bound, and rooted in the love of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Saints, grow in friendship with one another. Care for one another. Strive to know and be known. And let the love mediated by the Holy Spirit fall upon you afresh this morning, like the morning dew to cleanse, to refresh, and to renew you in your walk with God. Because we can't love God without loving each other.
and may it lead you to new places of peace and joy. Thanks so much for listening. And may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good, that you may do his will, working in you that which is pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.